Well, I'm excited to get to speak to you this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in. So if you're taking notes, um, the title this morning is From Distractions to Distinction. How many of you realize God has called you and created you to live a life of distinction, right? Not just every day. We shouldn't look like everybody else, but when people see us, they see things that go on in our life, our highs, honestly, should be high. Not just like, how's your day? It's good. Like, no, we should have the power of God inside. How's your day? My day's going great. God just did this in my life. It's an opportunity to tell somebody about the greatness of God. Do you follow me? Your lows, how's your day? Well, I'm having a hard time, but I'm believing God's going to do this and turn around. We're men and women of faith. Uh, You guys okay if I just jump right in? I don't know about you, but I'm ready to preach this morning, so I'm just going to jump right in. But get this, because we get so caught up in the distractions of life, so often we miss the opportunity to be who God's called us to be and do what God's called us to do. In fact, Hebrews 11.25 says it like this. And speaking of Moses, he says he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasure of sin. So this is week three, if you're new with us this morning, this is week three talking about sin. And I want us to get this. Because when we talk sin, it's really easy to talk about their sin. And see, if well, I don't understand why they struggle that way. I don't understand why their life looks like that. Because that sin's not your sin. Right? Let's be honest for a moment. Sin is attractive. There is something about sin that draws you to it if it's your sin. Often we look at those situations and we look at everybody else that's like, well, if they could just get this right, if they could just fix this problem, if they could do this, then God could do something in their life. And God's often looking at you. If you would just be quiet for a minute, I could do something in yours. Because you've got opinions on why everybody else's life is going wrong. And the truth of it is, if you'd stop telling everybody else how to fix what they need fixed and start looking at what God wants to do in you, it would begin to change something about who they are and how they see you. And you would be a man or a woman of distinction instead of walking around so distracted by everything else going on in life. We get so caught up in the distractions. How many of you guys realize distractions are legitimate, though? Like, we've got a lot in life. We're busy. We've got work. Some of us have kids. Some of us have dogs. Some of us have cats, which take even more work. Just throwing that out there. You can tell where I love. Anyway, but we get so caught up in life, and then cars break down, and people get fired, and life happens, right? It's so easy to get caught up in that stuff. That's not where God called you to be. It's not who he created you to be. It's not to be caught up in the distractions, It's to be men and women of distinction. Do you realize we get so caught up in, well, here's truth, and here's what the Word of God says, and here's how we need to be, and here's how you need to live. And hear me, because Jesus did every one of those things, but he loved more than he did those. So he was a man of distinction, and people listened to the hard conversations because they saw the love that radiated out of everything that he did. Truth needs to be truth, but it has to be covered in love. We've got to keep those together. We can't miss that. When, God, when Jesus brought correction to people, he did it in a way that was loving. For example, the woman at the well, he dignified her with a conversation before he ever brought correction to her situation. Stop looking at people and saying, well, you need to fix this problem. You don't even know who they are. You don't know why they're in their situation. Why don't you talk them off the ledge for a minute? Listen to their story. Tell them yours. 
I understand you're walking through all this pain, but here's the pain God walked me through. And here's what he can bring into your life. Do you see the difference in the two? One brings reconciliation and healing. One just beats the broken. We can't be those people. We need to be men and women of distinction. When Jesus went anywhere, people knew he came into town. They followed him by the thousands, not because he's Jesus, but because they saw the life that radiated from him. It wasn't the name. It was the lifestyle. Do you follow me? It wasn't because he was named Jesus, because Jesus was a common name in that day. It was because of the distinction that was on that man, Jesus. Do you follow me? Are you men and women of distinction? Or are we so caught up in all of the distractions that we miss exactly where God wants to take us? See, here's the thing. We talk about distractions a lot, and we focus a lot on the distractions, but the truth, it's not really about the distraction. Sin's not trying to distract you. Sin's trying to destroy you. It's really not just a, hey, look, pretty and shiny. No, no, no. It's trying to get your attention here so that it can rob you of what God has for you over here. Does that make sense? It's not to distract you. It's to destroy you. In fact, John 10, 10 says it this way. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest so that you can live as men and women of distinction, so that you don't just merely exist in this life, but you have purpose, you understand purpose, you understand who it is and what it is that God's called you to be and where he's called you to go. So often it's easy for us to come to the point of saying, man, I need God, my life's a wreck. So we accept Jesus and then we hold on to that experience instead of it being a daily occurrence where we come back to the place of understanding that we are recklessly broken. And if we don't keep coming back to who Jesus is, we truly will lose ourselves in the dysfunction of life. But if we constantly come back and see that, see here's the thing, accepting Jesus is easy. It's living like him that's hard. That's your first blank today. Accepting Jesus is easy, but living like him takes work. You're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to spend time in prayer. Well, but that's a hard. Well, let me help you because here's how sin works. Sin says, I'm going to reward you now, and it's going to cost you later, okay? Obedience says, you're going to deny yourself now for a greater reward later. So it's all in what kind of reward you really want. Do you want a small trinket for right now, or do you want the promises that God has for your life? I'm ready to preach. But I want to make sure we get this, con this concept. So I want to do a quick illustration. You guys okay with that? Let me get Gabe, Lyra, Mike King. Can you guys come help me out real quick? Come on now. Hop on up here. Give these guys a hand. I'm sure y'all were wondering what all the junk is on stage. Don't worry. That's me. All right. All right. I'm going to put you at this table. You're here. Now, if you guys would go ahead and unwrap your straws, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to use a straw and pick up a Skittle out of that one cup and move it to the other cup. Now, let me ask you a question. Anybody ever feel like the things God called you to do in life actually take focus and they're actually hard? Right? They're not just as easy as just waking up one morning and the things of God happen. No, they take work and they take focus. So let's try this out. Go ahead. Try to pick up one and move it to the other cup. Just one. Oh, he beat you, Gabe. 
All right. All right, you both got one. We're good to go. Now, I got a few other volunteers that I asked earlier to come help me. If you guys would come up here really quick, really quickly, I promise. We're not going to hang out here long. Come on now. So, I'm sorry. You guys don't get Skittles. They're the only ones that get Skittles. Let me give you some bubble wrap. Some bubble wrap. Get in front of one of these guys. Devin, there you go. Now, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to have to race to see who can get the most Skittles to the other side. But while you're doing that, you're going to pop bubble wrap right in front of his face. But you can't touch him. Okay? You guys are going to throw the football over their heads without breaking any of our sound equipment or hitting anyone. Got it? Mark, get set, go. All right, where are we at? Oh, man. Oh, Gabe, you got destroyed. Mike's already done. All right, give a round of applause for Mike. Great job, guys. Destroyed him. All right, thank you, guys. You can go ahead and grab your seats. I'm keeping the air horn. I'm a little bit deaf. That's loud. <laughs> so here's the thing, and here's why I wanted us to do that for a minute. How many of you guys think it takes focus to do what God's called you to do anyway, but on top of that, life happens, right? And it's so much harder when life happens to stay focused on what God's called you to do. But hear me, because often we get so focused on the distractions that we miss what else is going on. For example, Mike, here's your cell phone. There you go, buddy. Gabe, here's your wallet. Where'd he go? Oh, whoop. All right. Now, real quick, how many of you were so focused on the distractions, you missed me taking the wallet? Right? Here's why. Because sin's purpose is not to distract you, it's to destroy you. It's not about the sin that's going on right now. It's to stop you and to steal the promise that God has for you. Do you follow me? There's so much more going behind the scenes than what you see when you just focus on the sin. And we can't just stay focused on the sin. We've got to focus on what it is that God's called us to and who he's called us to be. And if we don't do that, we miss everything that he's created for you. But often we lose our purpose in the middle of that. And when we lose our purpose, we become dysfunctional. Anybody ever feel like you just try as hard as you can and you just miss the point, right? Anybody else? I feel like that all the time. It's like I'm trying and I'm trying, but I'm just not getting there. I want to give you a great example of that. You ready? It's Numbers 32, verse 13. It says, the Lord was angry with Israel and he made them wander the, de the wilderness for 40 years till the entire generation that sinned against the Lord had died. Now, let me give you a little bit of context here. Because what this is talking about is the children of Israel, when they left Egypt and they came out of bondage, they crossed over and they were on their way to the promise. Something really unique happened. They got to the Jordan River and they said, you know what, we're going to send 12 spies over to check it out. 
Ten of them came back and said, no, no, no. The giants are too big. The kingdoms are too strong. We can't go where God's called us to go. We can't take the land that God has given us. Hear me. First of all, you better surround yourself with people when they hear the promise that God's put on your life. They're going to come in alignment and they're going to declare, I don't care what giants in front of you. We're going where God's called you to go. But here's the thing about that. They got to this point and they came back and they said, no, no, no. We're too afraid. So because of their disobedience and simply going where God asked them to go, they had to wander the desert for 40 years. Let me ask you a question. How often do you find yourself just passing the same place over and over in life thinking, man, when am I ever going to get to my promise? You might merely be one, one act of obedience away from your promise. But we're so afraid to step out and take a chance and make a risk because we're so caught up on this. But there's something even more unique that happens here. And I love this, so catch it. It's Joshua 3, verse 4, and I'm going to paraphrase the rest here, but it says, since you have never traveled this way before. Now, I've often heard growing up about the children of Israel, they wandered through the desert and they grumbled and they complained and they were frustrated. And I thought to myself, what is wrong with you people? Like God took you out of captivity. He parted a river. He led you by a cloud and by a pillar of fire that came from the sky. If I could get a pillar of fire one day, I'm pretty confident I would never question God again. Every day he provided food for him. He provided for the situation. I just read this. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all people? How do you still doubt? How do you still have frustration? How do you still have all of these things? I want to challenge you with something. Because the distance from Egypt to the promised land wasn't a 40-year hike. In fact, it was a little bit shorter than here to Galveston. Anybody ever been to Galveston? It's not that far. But they left what held them, and they got to their promise, and they were afraid of what was in front of them. It didn't take them 40 years to get there. They got there and became afraid in the face of their promise. They feared what was in front of them. And they wandered for 40 years. I don't believe that they complained because they didn't understand God's presence was there. I believe they complained because they weren't participating with God's presence when it was there. 40 years they wandered in this small span, small distance for 40 years. I believe they passed the same rocks. They probably set camp in the same spot. They probably went through and like, oh, there's that tree again. We're back over here. They didn't grumble because there was no God. They grumbled because they were not moving into the place of the promise. Do you ever find yourself there? And the reason they wandered for 40 years wasn't because God ever took the promise from them. It was because they were merely disobedient to take what God had given them. How often do we just sit back and think, God, if you would just do something in my life. And he's like, I've laid it out. Cross the river. But here's the problem. It catch this because when they left Egypt, the Red Sea parted for them and they crossed. When they entered the promised land, 
They stepped into the water, and the water subsided. See, what got you out of what held you won't take you to what, where God created you. Do, you. do you follow me? And they were so focused on what had held them captive that they could not see where God was taking them because they were so afraid and they were so caught up in all of these things until they began to get in alignment with who God called them to be and where he called them to go. I submit this to you this morning. Think about this for a second. It wasn't just God parted the water, moved the problem, and let them pass. They had to get in line behind the Ark of the Covenant. And as the Ark of the Covenant hit the water, the water subsided. Hear me, because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And when we get in a line with the presence of God, it does not matter what obstacle is in your way, because once the presence of God touches your obstacle, it has to subside. Not only that, but you know the Jordan is actually known as the river of judgment? <laughs> they spent 40 years in judgment because of their disobedience. And it wasn't until they got in alignment with what God had called them to go and where God had called them, the people God had called them to be, that judgment was held off so that they could cross into your promise. God never took your promise from you. He's just waiting for you to be obedient. See, here's the thing about sin. Sin doesn't just want to come in and distract you from something. It wants to rob you of something. And they were so distracted in their disobedience that they didn't realize you are the other side of the river of your promise. But sin will distract you. Then it will assassinate you. Because it can't take what God's already given you. So hear me, because this is important. One of the, my opinion, one of the most important things I'm going to say this morning. Sin can't take what God's already given you. So what it will try to do is take away your ability to tell others. Do you follow me? Get this this morning, because I think we get so caught off guard so often. And we miss everything that God's got planned for our life because we're so caught up in the distractions. And if I can just not sin and I can just not live in this anymore and if I can just break free, God, if you can just take me out of this place of bondage and bring me into freedom, then I can be a better person. And the truth of it is God's saying, look, I've already set you free. I'm waiting for you to cross into your promise. But sin can't take your promise. All it can do is try to distract you so you never get there. How do we do that? I mean, this is great. I don't want us to just leave excited because God's got somewhere for us to go, and he gave us a promise. And you know what? Sin can't hold you. But there's more. How do we get there? How do we live like that? How do we overcome sin? It's great to talk about what happens when we do, but how do we get there? Let me ask you a question. When Jesus was tempted, how did he overcome sin? He quoted Scripture. Because who he was was not defined by the opinions of those around him. Who he was was defined by what the Word of God said about him. We've got to be men and women of the Word. 
not your favorite podcast, not your best worship CD. All of those are great. But if we are not men and women of the word and we know what the word of God says and we can go back and we have a foundation of that, we can't declare truth because we don't know truth. Galatians 5.1. I love the way this is worded. It says, so Christ has truly set you free. Now, make sure you stay free. See, here's the thing. Once God sets you free, it's up to you. What are you going to do with it now? Once he breaks the chains, the bondages that have held you, are you going to stay focused on your bondage or are you going to get focused on your freedom? Because often we wrestle with, but if I can just not do this here, and we've missed what God's trying to do over here. Romans 12, 21 kind of puts it this way. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me help you. So, so how do I do that? Simple. Whatever your addiction is, whatever your issue is, whatever your frustration is, whatever your sin issue is, and everybody in this room has a sin issue, let me just help you. If you don't, it might be pride. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> just saying. Everybody's got an issue. The problem is we don't get nervous till people talk about our issues. What is it that you wrestle with? What is it that you struggle with? Because if you're still focused on it, let me help you. Maybe your issue is alcohol. And you know what? I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore, and I'm, I'm not going to go anywhere there's alcohol, and I'm going to stay away from alcohol, and I'm going to keep my focus off alcohol. What are you still talking about? That's not walking in freedom. Because you may not be participating in your sin, but you're still in bondage to it. But if you say, you know what, God rescued me from alcohol, and he's called me to help people. He's called me to minister to people. He's called me to do something in the lives of people around me. Guess what? What are you not worried about? Alcohol. We've got to start prioritizing the right stuff and stop calling the wrong stuff the right stuff. Because so often we've got, we heard the right quote, we've got the right phrase, but you know what? It's more than that. In fact, Proverbs 28, four, I'm sorry, Proverbs 24, 16. Though a, God, a godly man trips seven times, he gets back up again. Did you hear me? Though a godly man stumbles and falls, he gets back up. The mark of the godly is not that they never fall. The mark of the godly is they never stay there. Stuff is going to happen in your life. Frustration's going to come. You're going to miss it. The grace of God is there to pick you up when you miss it so you can keep going. Some of you need to hear me this morning because if your struggle is still a struggle, you're not defeated. But I've been wrestling with this for decades. I've been wrestling with this for years, but you don't understand. My entire family has dealt with this problem. You don't understand the hold that this has on me. You don't understand the generational curse that is walking that I walk with. You don't understand the power of my God. Because it's not about the curse. It's not about the problem. It's not about the issue. It's about the Savior, the Creator, who said you can overcome anything that's an obstacle.
The problem is we often treat our relationship with God like it's this fragile, delicate thing. And the truth of it is the blood of my Jesus is powerful. It's not going to be shaken just because you had a bad day. It's not going to be shaken because you messed up and did something wrong. Some of y'all need to hear me. It's not shaking because you relapsed. You know what's shaking when you relapse? The devil, because he knows you just might get back up. God is not afraid of your fall. He's not afraid of you messing up. He created you to run, and the only way you can run is if you begin to let go of that which held you. I didn't understand this until I got kids, but you know what? I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and the only way for me to truly teach them how to grow up and be more responsible is to let them do something for themselves to let them take a chance, to let them get out and experience and walk and try on their own. Some of you are walking through and you're like, God, I just don't feel you. God, I'm walking through a season where I just haven't experienced your presence. Maybe he's trying to get you to walk a little bit. Maybe he's trying to get you to let go of where you've been because you're one step away from your promise and he's trying to push you into something deeper. I'm going to conclude here. Oh, I'm going to pass out. (laughs) But here's the thing. God's got something so much bigger for you than what we've settled for. We've settled for being so consumed by the distraction that we've stopped living. We've stopped being the people of distinction that he called us to be. They will know us by our love, one for another. There needs to be distinction about your life. You need to walk in the presence of God in everything that you do. And you know what? When you miss it, don't beat yourself up over it. Just get up. Just get up. Just do something different. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask if you're in here today and You're wrestling with an area of sin in your life, whatever that is. Maybe it's abuse, maybe it's substance, maybe it's whatever. An area of simple disobedience to somewhere God's called you to go and you just haven't stepped out in that. But if that's you and you're wrestling with an area of sin in your life this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you really quickly. Thank you. Thank you. All over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray right now that every person who had the courage to lift their hand. Every person who had the courage to say, God, I need you, and I'm not going to be held by that which has held me captive, but I'm going to walk in the freedom that you declared over my life. That today they would have the confidence to know, God, their sins are behind them, and your purpose is in front of them. God, that we would focus on you that we would move into the places that you've called us to move, that we would be men and women of distinction, and we would live in confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We don't typically do this, but I want to ask all of you to stand to your feet. I want to ask you something. If you lifted your hand a moment ago, the band's going to begin to worship in just a moment.
And if you lifted your hand and you said, you know what? I need more freedom in my life. I need whatever chains that have bound me, I need them to be broken so that I can walk in the freedom that God's called me to live in. What I want to ask you to do in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. And I want you to come to the front, and I want you to begin to worship because, you know, there's something about our worship. There's some things that are broken because we pray. There's some things that are broken because we fast and pray. There are some things that are broken because the presence of God falls in worship. When Paul and Silas were in captivity, in prison, they began to worship. And the power of God hit that cell, and their chains fell off. Not just their chains. The chains of those that were around them. There is power in your worship. There is authority when we stand up as men and women of God and we declare the truth of God. Chains are broken. People are set free. But hear me, because sometimes God can set you free, but you never walk out of your cell. So what I'm going to ask you this morning, don't take a little step further. I'm going to ask you to take a big step further. Move out of your seat. Come to the front. And let's begin to worship. And let's declare victory over the things that God has done in your life, over the things that have held you captive. You're walking out of your cell. You're seeing the victory of God today because we are going to be men and women of distinction.